It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast, and I've got a co-pilot of co-pilots sitting with me this week. Uh, people in Pennsylvania recognize this young man. Maybe some people still in Columbus, Ohio, recognize this young man. He wreaked terror when he worked at the Columbus Dispatch for a while. Now he's been working for PinLive, PinLive.com, if you want to tune into it, for for a couple of decades, right? Right, Dave Jones? You've been there for a while now. And uh, by the way, Three. welcome back to the... Welcome 3. back to the Podcast. What? 3.2. 3.2 decades. 3.2 decades, ladies and gentlemen. That's a long time. Hey, let's get right into it because we've had some diff- technical difficulties getting to this point of recording this podcast. So let's don't uh, waste any more time. You've got a lot of things on your plate since you cover Penn State football <laughs> along with a lot of other things. You've got other things, a lot of other things going on in your life. So let's get right into it. Penn State goes and wins at Purdue in a hard-fought game in the season opener. They go down to Auburn and win in the heat, and win in the heat in the Southeastern Conference territory. And then uh, Michigan slaps them around and uh, runs through the middle of them and uh, dominates uh, them. I'm talking about the Penn State Nittany Lions. And all of a sudden, uh, Penn State over this past weekend, I thought had a stellar performance against Minnesota, which was starting a quarterback I'd never heard of. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But what is the real Penn State? Will the real Penn State please please stand up and could you goose them to make them stand up? Thank you. No, I think they already have. I mean, that's this is who they are. They're a team built for speed, not necessarily for bully ball, and that's what Michigan did to them. Yeah. Um, they can they can run with anybody. In in fact, their secondary can can hang with Ohio State's wideout crew, which I don't think too many secondaries in the country. Could say. I mean, Wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ohio State fans, write that down. Go ahead now. Uh, including Marvin Harrison against Joey Porter should be very interesting. A couple of badass pros, their kids. In fact, we're trying to get a hold of both of them. I, I ran into Joey Porter Sr. at the uh, Chicago area. I guess I was in Chicago. They all run together, don't they? I can't even yeah. remember where I was. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Indianapolis Airport Bar with breakfast getting breakfast and he and his wife were there wow and i i struck up a little conversation and and because because our photographer right was right next to me joe hermy goes steve that's that's joey porter and i looked at her and he goes oh hey you know i just blurted out hey joey porter yeah <laughs> and and i i said yeah just, i took i showed that i took uh, that joe took a couple of really good pictures of his kid who's long and athletic and um, really, really good corner. He's going to be a terrific pro corner. So that should be a hell of a matchup. But what they don't do well is stand and deliver at scrimmage against an outfit that is going to really test them. Uh, I, I imagine Ohio State <laughs> saw the Michigan tape and they can. What do you think? Do you think they can try? Yeah, to it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, like you just pointed out, the, the two places uh, Brian Day was bound and determined to get better for this football team compared to a year ago was, number one, defensively, obviously. The Ohio State suddenly now is the number two total defense in the country. We, you know, they were, nowhere near, they were nowhere near the top 30 or 40 last year, 
you know, as you know, they brought in Jim Knowles to fix that. We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, the connection, the other connection in this game, which is interesting to me. Uh, and then he wanted, you know, he wanted to basically get tougher, more physical on the line of scrimmage uh, with the with the offensive line. Uh, brought in Justin Fry, the had been the uh, uh, the offensive line coach at UCLA. Brought him in. He'd been associated with him before. And there are all kinds of indications that they've gotten much better in that regard, especially in the red zone numbers are interesting in that regard, uh, except for this past week when they were playing against one of the, I think, one of the elite defenses in the country. I think this is funny. Uh, There was a guy, Nate Baird from Cleveland.com, was sitting next to me before Ryan Day came in for the press conference. And he goes, Tim, you know, uh, Ohio State just won this game 54 to 10. And I think I've got more respect for for Iowa's defense that I had going into the game because it was that weird kind of game. You know what I'm talking about, Dave? But uh, but like I wrote a story for Letterman Row this week that uh, Ohio State's just got a play sheet, man, that if this doesn't work and this doesn't work and, and the running game's sort of getting stuffed, they've got this elaborate passing game to go to. And, uh, and yeah, it features Marvin Harrison Jr., but also Emeka Egbuka and also Julian Fleming, a young man that uh, Penn State – coveted at one point i'm sure they coveted marvin harrison jr too at that in in, in that regard but uh yeah i mean th- i think it's going to be interesting because this Ohio state offensive line do not confuse it with last year's this looks like a real offensive line not four tackles in the center if you follow my drift yeah well what they got to do penn state has to get pressure on cj stroud if yeah. they don't game's over they they have to do it in creative ways they have to do it when he's not expecting it. You remember the the, the play where they blitzed straight up the middle? Well, it wasn't even a blitz. It was a it was a defensive end who looped inside. Yeah, just looped inside. Outside linebacker looped inside and hit him in the chops, and the ball went free, and they scored it. I was only touchdown. Yeah, right? they're only touchdown. So, exactly. But, but that they can't do what Iowa can do. They're they're not not that physical. What they can do is come from weird angles and blitz off the corners. Uh, they 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 ran some sets. I don't know if you watch the Auburn game, but they see that this is the problem. Uh, Manny Diaz, their coordinator, did not respect those Auburn quarterbacks because they just weren't any good. Yeah, and he knew they had a brand new center. They couldn't call out blocking schemes. They couldn't do anything. So he was running weird blitzes with he had he had three DBs on the line. They I, I think they they had like a they had they had seven guys on the line one time and three of them were defensive backs you know wow. yeah and, and dropped a couple of them but I, you know you didn't know who was coming from where you're not going to get away with that against cj stroud and you're not going to get away with that against ohio state so it's a shell game with their defense uh in prior years they've been able to hang with ohio state uh, especially the last time they were in columbus when i first got the idea that ohio state could be had with a physical team was was Penn State's defensive front kind of stoned them until Henderson got away yeah. on that one run about 55 yards along the sideline. They were stoned in their running game. Yeah. And I don't know that they can do that this year. They haven't shown me that they can necessarily do that. So they, they've got a, a lot on their plate defensively. I do think their secondary can hang with Ohio State's wideouts, and that's an amazing statement, but that's how good Penn State's secondary is. Yeah, and you, you know, you brought up a good point when you and I were when we were in the green room preparing for this show. Yeah, you brought up you brought up an excellent point that James Franklin kind of kind of like decided to remake the Penn State uh, yeah the Penn I, State I, I approach, think, right? I, I, go go to the spread team, go to the spread situation like everybody else was doing quite a few years ago. But you know, 
that that whole gambit's like now coming around, coming full circle because uh, uh, here's Ryan Day wanting to be more physical because defenses have, you know, evolved to trying to stop the spread, the elaborate spreads. And, you know, and that, that means we've seen robbing... cycles of this in, yes. in our whole lives. I mean, oh, you yeah. remember, the, remember the run and shoot? Oh, yeah. And, and my brother-in-law is, was taken over from Mike Hart as the running backs coach because Jim Harbaugh asked his asked him back. My yeah. brother-in-law is Fred Jackson, who's who was a running backs coach at Michigan for 30 years. Um, he used to run the the run and shoot under Fred Akers. Remember that? And oh, yeah. That that was the that was the thing, man. Mouse Davis and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, we've seen cycles of this where the defensive coaches have to figure it out. What what I think there was a threshold moment in that Ohio State Michigan game last year where Ohio State got punched in the mouth and they didn't like it too much. And it, it went, went the first time I saw that they might be able to be had physically was in that Penn State game. Penn State didn't win the game, wasn't really close to winning the game, but they 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 made them do some things they don't necessarily like to do. Yeah. So I think they absolutely have to get pressure on CJ Stroud. And the other problem is. Man, their offense does not really have they they don't have what Brian Hartline has generated at Ohio State, which is that assembly line of not just competent, not just guys who catch the ball like Charlie Jones, but guys who who take the top off a of defense and are dangerous. Yeah. You got to fear all of those guys, all the guys you mentioned, uh, Ibuka. Uh, Smith and Jimmy, even though he's not really healthy yet, it doesn't look like yeah. Julian Fleming's a fabulous talent, and he's been behind all these guys oh, yeah. for, for two years. And well, he's been banged up though. You know, he's finally. We're, like I said, so that's the real Julian Fleming. A couple of three weeks ago, yes. because he is marvelous. But but, but look, man, if you miss a step in that in that wide route room, you're you're five deep down. Yeah, you're you're not going to be able to to make it. That that's the point. Penn State had that. For a while under Josh Gaddis. And then when he went out the door, you remember they had Chris Godwin and they had they had tight ends who could run down the field. Mike they had was, guys who were still playing in the NFL. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and they had really good Deshaun Hamilton. They had guys who could go up and high point balls way down the field. And that was half of their attack was Trace McSorley would just evade rushers and and then climb the pocket and heave it. And one of those guys would catch it. Yeah. They could they could do that downfield. The guys they have now really aren't capable of that doing it, doing that on a consistent basis. So defenses can start crowding them and they can bring their safeties up. And that's a real problem for Sean Clifford in the offense, because they have not shown me that they can run the ball consistently. They did it against Auburn, but I think only because they they kept ahead of the sticks in that game and they were ahead of Auburn because they didn't really respect Auburn's offense and they, they were, they were ahead for a full game. They're not going to be ahead for a full game against Ohio state. Yeah. You have to yeah. make a lot of plays on offense and I'm not sure they can do it. Hey, uh, who's the best team in the big 10 right now, in your opinion, from what I you've seen? Michigan to win the league. Did you know that? And you're sticking, you're, are you sticking with it? I, I will stick with it only because this reminds me, and we have a long history of Ohio state football. I, I sold Coca-Cola in Ohio Stadium when I was 15 in 1972, man. That was 50 years ago. Yeah. I saw some bad offenses in there and Greg Hare, you know, and uh, offenses like that. Yeah. This is a spectacular offense. But they have to show me that they can withstand a physical onslaught 
like Michigan got to them last year. And I don't know that they didn't like that at all, man, but it's going to be a different atmosphere in the shoe than it was last year. And there will be, there will be no surprises, but I think Jerry Donardo said this to me at the start of the season. And I agree with him. I think these two programs are in an equilibrium in a way where they're, they're kind of yin and yang. They're completely complementary with, I don't know if you can use the word, but they're, they're, they're opposed type of programs where yes. Ohio State is all the shiny objects and all the weaponry, and it's just coming from every direction. And Michigan is, is, is caught in Bo Schembechler's image, man. I mean, they are physical. And let me tell you, I don't know how many times you've seen that offensive line, but they are fabulous. Yeah. And they go like seven, eight deep. They are amazing. So I, I, they have to show me they can withstand that, and they didn't do it last year. And that is, that is no fun. We can sit here, 60-year-old, 65-year-old guys in our easy chairs and talk about guys sticking their head in that scrum when you have to stop somebody like Mayan Williams or even Blake Corum. Blake Corum's a tough little mother, you know? Yeah. And, and, and with the, those offensive linemen in front of you, that is not easy. So. No. I'm going to stick with Michigan simply because that is still the root of football, Timbo. That is still the root of football. And if they can do that, they win in a walk. If they can't do that, then it's a game. That's all I'll say. Have you seen enough of Ohio State to see the transformation that Ryan Day tried to do to this team from a physical standpoint on the offensive line, bringing in Justin Fry? This is an offensive line. It looks like a real offensive line now with two real guards, two tackles, and a center, Luke Whipler, who ought to be – up for uh, you know any major award for a center right now, and uh, can you can you tell from what you've seen? Have they gotten more physical in your eyes? Obviously, well, Iowa we, was bound to determine. Ohio State wasn't going to run the ball, you know. So how Ohio do State we had know? To go another way. Go ahead. I mean, how do we know? They played Notre Dame, and uh, the, Iowa is probably the best evidence of that. But Iowa couldn't play complimentary football because they had no complement. I mean, their yeah. their offense is incompetent yeah i mean it is inert under brian ferentz and i don't understand how that guy is still only nepotism and gary barda is allowing that to to keep happening it, it reminds me so much of joe paterno and jay paterno for a while there at least jay at least jay realized his inexperience and and how over his head he was and went and got help man he yeah. went and got help all of a sudden they were incompetent the 04 penn state offense was as bad as anything has been in the Big Ten in seven years. I actually did research on it. They were awful. They yeah. averaged like 17 points a game, and that was like 50 in the last game against Michigan State. Uh, but he went and got help. They they took a, down, a trip down to Texas. They come back in 05. They win the league, and they score 38 points a game, and they did it again with Daryl Clark in 08. This offense with Iowa, I don't see what they're doing. You know, Brian Ferentz is supposed to be an offensive line coach, right? Yeah. That was supposed to be a specialty. He's had one job in his whole life that wasn't with daddy, and that was under daddy's friend Bill Belichick, where he got the quality control job. Yeah. He's supposed to be an offensive line specialist, and their offensive line is pus. It's not even any good. So I don't even blame Spencer Petrus or the rest of those guys because it's impossible to run anything. What I'm trying to tell you is I don't know who Ohio State has played that really proves anything. Yeah, they play Notre Dame and this team. So I don't know. Uh, They haven't come up against a really tough physical defense and they won't this week either because Penn State's not it.
Yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, it, it is kind of hard to get a get a, a handle on where Ohio State really is, really on both sides of the ball. But you can see, you can see that they are better defensively. I mean, obviously, uh, Iowa was 131st out of 131 teams in FBS going into that game offensively, and Ohio State held them 50, 70 yards under their under their average. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, but you are impressed with what Jim Knowles has done with that defense, aren't you? Just watching from afar. Like you yeah, said, yeah. And you I, saw Coca-Cola I didn't, I didn't in the stadium. Honestly, Go ahead. I didn't honestly know if he was the right choice because he takes risks, man. He's a lot like Manny Diaz that way. He shoots gaps, and he's going to pressure you, and he's going to put it on you. Uh, I didn't think they necessarily needed that with that offense. I didn't think it was he was necessarily complimentary to that offense since they've got everything they need on the offense. They just need to stay in the game on defense, keep in position, plug their gaps, Stay gap uh, sensitive, gap gap discipline, gap sound, yeah, and 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 just just play the game out. They don't need to do a lot. But that said, and we're going to get to the the fun matchup here because the Ohio the Penn State offensive coordinator is Mike Yurcich, and Jim Knowles is the the defensive coordinator, and they both were on the same staff at Oklahoma State under Mike Gundy as the coordinators in 2018. Yeah. So they know each other really well, and that's really interesting too. Yeah. And obviously, Jim Knowles had just really started rebuilding or building that defense. I mean, uh, you know, in a league where nobody played defense, which was interesting. Now, and he even talked about the evolution of the game, you know, and how, what you have to deal with now. And, yeah, I mean, th this was interesting about me, though. When, when Ryan Day went out and got him, Ryan Day didn't just want a guy to shore up, you know, the physicalness uh, or the uh, of stopping the run game like a no he wanted, he wanted guys who were technically technically proficient and yeah. I, I watched I watched the Oregon tape very carefully last year and they were totally undisciplined. Oh, dude, I we had linebackers Zach blocking Harrison, linebackers. That Zach Harrison get caught inside, and they, they were influence blocks. They weren't yeah. even trying to push him. He ran himself out of play. Correct. You don't, you don't see that happen anymore. No, so you I, see coordination. I hear, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But 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 real quick though, but he wanted a defense that was going to be like Ohio State's offense in the sense that it's going to come after you, it's going to be aggressive. Uh you're not going to necessarily be able to pigeonhole it. I mean, they can make a tweak with a safety here and uh with that uh Jack position you're calling it now, you know, where Jack Sawyer stands up and moves around and stuff. They can do all kinds of things. With just they can change everything up by just changing one guy's responsibility from one play to the next. I think it's a really nice defense. But on top of that, these guys are very confident playing it. They're playing physical and they're getting after it. I, I think it shows up on tape. I think it shows up when you watch them play. Like you know, yeah, Saturday was a train wreck of a of an Iowa offense. I mean, I'm I, I don't think there's any excuse for that in the modern day with all the resources available to teams to be that inept. Uh, what did it, what did it, what's it remind you of? I mean, it reminds you of these old coaches from yeah. 25 years ago, like yeah. Woody and, and and Bo, frankly, who would who would quote military heroes and yeah. and, and just no imagination, no establishment of this threat or that threat. I feel sorry for Spencer Petrus. I, I do mean, too. It's really not his fault, and people don't understand that. And here's a bunch of kids who who are taking a hit for this guy, this 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 guy who would not have a job otherwise if it wasn't for daddy. Yeah, but but hey, real quick though, let's get into this before, before we go. Uh, they played for the Big Ten championship a year ago. I know, I know, Michigan 
destroyed them. But they played for a Big Ten championship a year ago. Uh, and that's how quickly things can flip, right? I mean, I mean, not that they in got the there West. because of their offense. In, but they, in the West. In the West. That's what I want to get to now. I mean, you're, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Purdue is now the team, right? Well, Purdue is not the team no. anymore. You know who looks like the team now, right? The fighting birds of Brett Bielema. Well, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. But but let me but let me tell you, this is how bad it is. Do you realize? Did you watch the Nebraska Purdue game? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Nebraska was behind the whole game, but if Purdue makes one more screw up, Nebraska could have won that game. It was yes. a one score game at the end, and if Nebraska wins in there in Purdue, they're in the race, man. Yeah. They exactly. are right there. I mean, they're they are right there. Uh, that's how bad it is in the West. So let me ask you this: Are are you going to enjoy no divisions? Because I always liked the feel of the East and the West. I just think it's untenable at this point the way recruiting has gone. Uh, Twenty years ago, Nebraska could get guys, and Iowa could even Iowa could get guys out of Florida. You remember when? Oh yeah was starting to get guys out of Florida in the mid-aughts after, after Brad Banks and those guys and Fred Russell won in 02. He yeah. was starting to ramp up recruiting and was getting guys that Iowa didn't get. Yeah. Nebraska got used to get guys out of Texas and, and even California. They can't do that anymore. I mean, you, you cannot live off the footprint of recruiting out there. So I just think they have to throw everyone in the same division. I wish it wasn't well, true because I like the feeling of the East and West. Yeah, Dave, and we, you and I will probably talk about this for 30 minutes uh, before the game on Saturday at, at Happy Valley. But but I, I, what I'm not a fan of is Ohio State playing Michigan and then Ohio State playing Michigan again the and next week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. but I want that game to stay at the end of the regular season. I don't know about you, uh, you know, uh, you know, let me ask you this. I mean, do, do you, how long would you go for that? If, if, if in fact the big two have re have re have now reestablished themselves as the big two in this league, how long would you go for them be, playing man. back-to-back weeks? Go ahead. I think it, I think it's what it's going to be. And I think I, I wrote a couple of weeks ago, it looks like it's going to be, you know, it used to be the big two and a little late. Now yeah. it's going to be the big two and a little dozen because yeah. no one, no one is doing what those teams do. The big two to a little 14 is what's going to happen. Go ahead now. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's well. coming. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's going to be more than, it's going to be more than 16 anyway. Yeah. It's going to be 20. You know, okay. that. You right. know it's going to be 20. It's going yeah. to be 20. And, and then how are you going to put this league together where teams can, can play their neighbors? You can't. And now we're getting into a whole different thing, but yeah. That's it's, another it's, podcast, but this is this is way way out of control, and I hated the UCLA USC thing. I mean, I really hate it. Ruined the Rose Bowl. Um, they are going to have to put Oregon and Washington and somebody else out there. And aren't we back in divisions again? That's where I'm going. Aren't yeah. we back in like four divisions with a Western division? Otherwise, odds you're. You're not going to be able to recruit at USC and UCLA, though. You, we know what the flights are like around the Midwest in in November. Are you telling me that you're going to be able to tell kids at UCLA they're going to be coming in on recruiting visits, and the kids who are already there are going to go? You don't want to go here, man. We fly five hours every damn road trip out there. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's West yeah. Lafayette and Bloomington and East Lansing, where I still haven't seen the sun. 
and I've been doing the, these these trips for 30 years. We've been in East Lansing every other year. I haven't seen the sun there yet. Oh, wow. We always go in November. Yeah. Hey, but, but you, know, you can even fly to State College since they expanded the runway many years ago. I mean, you know, remember when Woody have to, used to have to have two planes go in there? Uh, you know the story, right? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The, the, story, the one where right? had the, the second teamers go in, their plane <laughs> land first just to make sure – because it was uh, sketchy, sketchy conditions that day. And he, he, Woody, Woody Hayes. You're not telling it right. Let me tell it. Let me All right, tell go it. ahead. Because Steve, Steve Snap told us. I was us trying to make it story. short. Go ahead. Steve Snap told us the same story. Okay. So they've got two planes. I thought they had three, actually. They might have been three, actually. I think they had three. Yeah. This Penn State's runway was about the, si the size of your backyard. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> they were prop planes. They got the administrators on one plane. And then they've got the uh, the the backups in another plane, and then they got the, the the top coaching staff and the starters in the final plane. Yeah. And, and the pilot radios up to Woody and says, "Man, it looks got like a low ceiling in there. I don't know." And Woody says, "Well, send the send the first plane in there. If they land okay, then we'll go." We'll go <laughs> Jeff Logan he loves telling that story, man. And uh, but but that, that you know. Wow, we could sit here and talk forever <laughs> about that stuff. But it is interesting how much State College and Penn State have evolved, right? I mean, since those moments. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. If, how close is Penn State to being back to where it was before the scandals, uh, et cetera, before the Jopa uh, demi? what's the word I'm looking for, demunition? No, we, you, know, you know, basically fall off. How close is this program back to being to where it was, or will it ever kind of get to that level again? Well, they've made some mistakes. They've run into situations where they couldn't replace assistants. Like Josh Gaddis was a rising star, but he wanted to be a coordinator. Well, yeah. What do you do? And if they could have kept Josh Gaddis, uh, they would be competing for the same wideouts. They would have had Julian Fleming, I believe, instead of Brian Hartline getting him. Yeah. So they gotcha. had a revolving they had a revolving door at wideout. Uh, they're not they don't have they're not equipped with the, the the same guys that they used to be at wideout. They just aren't, and that hurts them. Uh, I think they've made mistakes as far as misjudging where football was headed in this targeting flag era where they're protecting everybody. And they thought we, we talked about it a minute ago. I think I think James Franklin and a lot of coaches thought it was all going to be Big 12 seven on seven football with the field spread and not only on offense, but on defense. Right. That somehow you you'd not even not have to really crack heads, but you could run guys down. Yeah. Speed would run them down and you weren't going to play in a phone booth anymore. And I think he misjudged that. I think a lot of co coaches misjudged that. But Jim Harbaugh, who I never thought was going to win a Big Ten title. I never did because I thought there was always going to be somebody who figured him out because he's has his method that worked at Stanford. It worked with the 49ers and he wasn't going to change about, he was, he wasn't going to be adaptable. And I was almost right, man. I was, I was right there. If Ward Manuel says, well, that's it. I'm sorry. Or if that interview with the Vikings works out, he's yeah. out. He's yeah. out. I yeah. always thought there was going to be somebody and, and the East was so disparate. You had D'Antonio who could beat him one way. You had Urban who could beat him another way, and, and then Ryan Day after that. And you had James Franklin, who had guys who, who could who could run by him, yeah. frankly. And and there were always ways, and they did, man. They they ran by him in 2017. They they routed that team. And it was 42 to 13 when they had Barkley. 
but now Harbaugh has hit his sweet spot, and it's at a time when he got it. He got there ahead of time. He he was just being who he was and running this physical bully ball football, and no one quite kept in step with him. And it's working now. And that offensive line is really, really good. Yeah. And someone's going to have to show me that they can stand up to those guys. It could be Ohio State, but I'm not sure it's Ohio State. And if they can run on you, and they don't, they don't just have quorum, man. They've they've got Donovan Edwards. They are they are they are equipped. I don't think they're great on the outside. Ronnie Bell's pretty good. Uh, Roman Wilson is pretty good. They can't match Ohio State in the skill positions. They can't. Blake Corn's a really good back. He's as good as Henderson. Um, but they don't have a Mayan Williams. Uh, what they can match you in is in here in the tackles. And if they can keep the, the game in there and get a lead, man, they can go in the shoe and win. I really believe that. Yeah. You know, everybody keeps waiting for a JJ McCarthy to have to win a game throwing, you know, meaning throwing downfield. And I'm just going, hasn't yet. Well, yeah. But I mean, maybe he doesn't have to. You know what I mean? He does <laughs> just enough. He does just enough. Yes. He does just enough. And to, to Sharon Moore, the OC's credit there, he has kept the attack balanced enough. So it really isn't caveman stuff. Yes. He is, he is keeping McCarthy ahead of the game so he's not facing third and nines. But, you know, like we said, we're talking about Ohio State and Michigan and everybody else. How do we know who either one of these teams have until they have to play somebody? And we thought Michigan was going to have to play someone, and it turned out they didn't. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, Pitt State had that pick six thing, that wicky-wacky play where they're actually in the game with Michigan, what, at halftime? They were Uh, ahead. I know. have Have you ever seen a game where a team is ahead in the third quarter. I know, I remember your out, tweet. Go ahead. Go ahead. And had been outplayed yeah. like that. They were ahead. Yeah. 17 to 16 in the third quarter and had been totally manhandled on both sides of scrimmage. Have you yeah. ever seen a game like that? No. Oh, well, you know, you've seen teams turn the ball over and and you know the better team is like mully gullying around and eventually one team, but but that was the that was a weird team because it was weird only because Maybe Penn State, you know, if they keep making plays like this, they could be in this game. But then <laughs> the string ran out. Kind of, kind of like the Minnesota, you know, whatever. Uh, Minnesota and Penn State this past week, I just go, you know, I keep thinking Minnesota's got to get up there and physical and whatever. But, no, I think I – I thought Penn State was pretty impressive in that game. I have yeah, a lot of respect. Buddy, I, they, I respect the ability of Sean Clifford, who – No, is, no, I'm no. saying I respect what P.J. Fleck is sort of like – built there at minnesota and i thought penn state just kind of just you know what i mean kind of like watching somebody pass you on the road they just kept going go ahead now well they are they are worn out i mean they lost their quarterback tanner morgan had a concussion this ethan caliak manis hey watch after that kid i know you haven't heard of heard from him of him he's from uh the south side of Chicago, which I've heard is the baddest part of town. Yeah, it is. He, he can play, man. He is a good – he's a four-star quarterback, so he's got him too. And he probably will end up playing him the rest of the year because he is a talented kid. But they don't they don't have any – they don't have any stick-out athletes on defense, and that's where Penn State could win the game. They basically just hit enough big plays, and they've got a couple of running backs, and Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, who are, are, are serious – serious weapons 
uh, the problem is in their offensive line. Yeah. And it really isn't getting that much better. We thought maybe it did against Auburn. It didn't. Uh, it has not worked out that way. So I, I would worry about Penn State's offensive side of the ball more than their defense. Their defense is back back four is or back five is always going to keep them in the game. But they've got to be able to score points. And I don't know that in this game they're going to be a hell of a lot better shape than Iowa was because – Knowles' defense, man, they fly around and they disrupt you and they're going to make make you back them off, and I don't know if Penn State can. I got you. Hey, uh, Manny Diaz, what, what, real quick before we go, what, what is the – what's what's where, where can you see his imprint on this defense? I'm talking about the Penn State defense. Where, 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 where does it stand out? Well, they've got a lot of undersized guys, like I was telling you, the, the philosophy. So they've got undersized linebackers. And they've got a, a couple of – Adisa Isaac, for instance, on a defensive end. He, he's he's not a big defensive end. He's not a big, imposing, fast, big, big, fast defensive end. They've got guys – like there was a, the Donovan Edwards bust-out run for 66 yards. That, that edge just got wiped out. Uh, so he has limited – he's got a good defense, but not a traditional ass-kicking defense like Penn State has had on yeah. the front very yeah. often so he has to do tricks he could do tricks he could he could play tricks on these auburn quarterbacks because they were awful and I, they didn't know what was going on and and he had the opportunity to do it he didn't try that stuff against aiden o'connell because he knew aiden o'connell would oh you're going to do that oh i'll do that you're going to yeah. do that i'll do that yeah and he he waited until the fourth quarter when they got a lead and then he blitzed aiden o'connell and it worked yeah but but he's always going to try to surprise you uh, but his weaponry is limited with this defense. He has to try. He has to play complementary football because Penn State needs to get the lead to get the other team to throw the ball. And then they can live off that secondary because it's a ball hawking, nasty secondary with long corners. And uh, I haven't even mentioned Jair Brown, yep. who's a terrific safety. Uh, and Joey Porter Jr. and they they can play, man. They're not going to be afraid of Ohio State's wideouts. But he has to get the game back there, where it matters before he can use that weaponry. And I just don't know if he can get to the second step against. That's Ohio pretty State. funny to think that uh, a team would like to see Ohio State throw the ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know what I mean. Not going to be worried, man. The problem is they got to get some pressure on Stroud. They have yeah. to. They have to get him in third down, and I don't know if they can. You know? Yeah. Hey. Appreciate you, Dave. Last question. Mayan Williams, you know. Last question. I like to get like I, like I had Bill Bender on from the Sporting News a couple of weeks ago. I want to get your your take. Right now, who's your final four? Who's the college football playoff? Not who's going to be the the four when they come out of uh, the two days after the Ohio State uh, Penn State game. What's going to be the final four in the college football playoff? Tennessee, I think, is legit, man. I mean, they and they are they are absolutely. You know, my nephew, Josh Jackson, who was the quarterback at, at Maryland. I mean, he he saw that Tennessee quarterback and he's going, man, you got to you got to see this kid. Endon Hooker. Yeah. yeah. Endon Hooker. Did you see the sign they they put it up in the Knoxville frat frat? House? No, no. It said, <laughs> it said in giant it's a bed sheet, one of those things you know, yeah. in front of the frat house at, at UT and it said, somebody tell Saban he can't take this hooker home. <laughs> oh man that's pretty good stuff so you like tennessee and i do like tennessee like. 
And I, and I still like Georgia, even though they're not offensively, don't look like they got their crap. But but, that, but, that, but but no, that's where the two are going to come from. If the SEC gets them because one's going to beat the other here in two weeks. And the, the other one isn't going to have to play in the championship game. It won't right. have to play Alabama. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's possible. Okay. And then who do you like? That's I, two of them. I think somebody's coming out of the the Big 12. Uh, I don't know if it'll be TCU, but right now I would say TCU just because I like what they're doing there. And they've yeah, won. I do too. Yeah. Same uh, so I'll, I'll say that's the wild card team, the Cincinnati, the Michigan State that that everyone's going, wow, no one would have picked that. So, uh, so, and you still like Michigan to win the Big Ten. So you like Michigan in there. I, I, I pick Michigan. If I was going to bet on it, of course I wouldn't bet on Michigan. But I just had a feeling, so I picked Michigan to win the division. Let's say either Michigan or Ohio State uh, okay. to be the fourth. And okay. I, I would have said a, a while ago maybe USC or UCLA, but no. I watched the Utah beat USC, and that's the end of them. Do you think Clemson is headed for a, a reckoning? I mean, uh, uh, in other words, you think yeah, Clemson – Yeah, man. They, I mean, they, they were lucky to win that game. Yes. They changed their quarterback – uh, in the middle of the game, that's a bad sign. And I think they they probably should have changed him out before this. Uh, Syracuse, if they don't make stupid plays at the end, they win the game. And if Syracuse is coming into your place and almost winning, then you got no business in the college football playoff. I, no, I you don't have Dino Babers fever. Huh, that's interesting. I love Dino Babers. I'm a huge Dino Babers Heck fan. yeah, man. I like him too. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Jones. I've got Dave Jones fever right now. I better go take an aspirin. Dave Jones, uh, my co-pilot for this week. Once again, you did a tremendous job when I handed the controls over to you. I appreciate you, brother. You know that, right? We go, we go back, and then we go way back, right? One of these times, we'll do, we'll do just nothing but stories. That'll yeah. be more fire. That would be great. Stuff, stuff from like the '80s when you yeah. took me in the office and told me about when you had to rewrite the headline that said Woody Hayes was Woody Hayes resigns. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. That, that, those are kind of the things, you know, I actually wrote to our story that day, which was bizarre in its own right. We'll talk about that one of these days, but you know how things were occasionally at the big D, you know what I mean? But, uh, it's hey, the first time I met you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dave Jones, thanks for joining me on the Tim May podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks for watching and listening again. And, and until next week, and we when we comb over this Ohio State trip to Happy Valley, will Ohio State return as happy as it is going? I guess we're going to find out. But until then, for Dave Jones, this is Tim May. We'll see you then. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.